Hello and welcome to Beyond Pod. I'm Paul Rose. I'm here with my dear wife, Sanya. Say hello, Sanya. Hello, Sanya. That, that wasn't me bossing her around, by the way. It was. Was it? Yeah. Or just... Say hello, Sanya. Did I say it in that voice, did I? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I said it. Say hello, Sanya. <laughs> <laughs> say hello, Sanya. No, I didn't. That's uh, your voice for mean um, critics. Mean, mean critics. Um, magazine, what are they called? Reviewers. Is it? Do back I do? From back in the day. Back, what are you even talking about? When you about? know when you read out old review, well, okay, there was that one review that you read out. Of Marillion. Yeah. The band Marillion. That's right. But I can't remember the reviewer's guy's name. Okay. He wanted... The coins back from the postage of marbles or something. I can't remember. What a knob end. <gasps> Paul! That's harsh. <laughs> it's not really. I could have said a lot more. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's mild. That's mild. Hey, as this goes out, we're um, the week before we go to Poland. No. no. Oh, as it goes. A week? Oh my God, I'm not ready. No, nor am I. I don't feel prepared. No, it's not a week. We're not even in April yet. Yeah, it is. Is it? As we're recording this. As we're, yeah. Right. But it's only this got, is it's going, going out, out on Monday. Right. What's next the date Monday. on Monday? Is like the, the following 28th. Monday is the week that we go to Poland. Oh, so two weeks until we go. Yeah, but or as, 10 as, days. like I said, literally like I said, when this goes out... Mm. It'll be the week before we go to Poland. I thought you said a week yeah. before we go to Poland. Literally what I said. <laughs> that's my voice, isn't it, Sanya? <laughs> that's how I talk. God, that's annoying. I'd be even more punchable if I did talk like that. You're right. not punchable. Huh? You're not punchable. You're really? Lovable. Why do you keep punching me then? No, don't say that. <laughs> Our listeners won't know that that's not true. I think they do. Uh, the reason why we're waffling like this is because I feel a little bit unprepared for this week's episode. I've got I all feel my notes. Like I'm coming down with a cold. Sanya feels ill. I've got all my notes, but I've been working right literally up to about two minutes ago. Which I, I, had I know what on. to start off with. What? Weird conspiracy. Oh, the fact that Marbles isn't on Apple Music at the moment. No, it's freaking me. It's not out. the only album that's gone. I can't remember what other ones have gone. Oh, it's really weird. Be- and be- and because I was already listening to it, I had it up. On when I opened Apple Music, but when I click on the songs, they don't play. So then I did a search for it and nothing came up. Okay, it's not really a conspiracy. There's probably something very, very ordinary that's happened. And I'm sure Lucy has probably already addressed it. Still spooky. No, not. Right, so we are talking about marbles again this week. Last week, we spent an entire episode on The Invisible Man. This week, we're spending an entire episode on Marbles 1. Yeah, ha 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 ha. So, um, Marbles 1. Yes. Did we talk last week? We did talk last week about um, <sighs> that Marbles was based upon H's having of Marbles as a child, hitting them up yes. into the sky with a tennis racket. Yes. And having them smash. Breaking greenhouses. Yeah. Apparently, the, he had the Marbles 1 to 4. We might as well cover all four parts here. Um, because they're only short oh, okay. little linking things. Well, I don't think we're really going to need to kind of cover like Marbles 3 in any great detail, are we? I haven't written notes on all of them. There's, you don't need to. They're just part of the same thing because they are effectively I've one. I've done up to Marbles 3. They were written as one lyric, which apparently they tried on different pieces of music. Mm. And then I think it might have been Dave Megan that suggested breaking them up. Oh. Putting them throughout Sprinkling the album. Sprinkling them through the album. Yes, because this uh, album, although it might not be a concept album in the classic sense, it is an album that H says is about losing your marbles in mm-hmm. later life. I think I said as well last week that the Marbles tracks did feel at the time like a bit of a... a a bit of an attempt to tie the album together conceptually mm-hmm. so that people kind of went, oh, it's a concept album, when it wasn't really. Um, but over time, I've kind of come to quite appreciate them being there, Marbles 1 to 4. Did you not appreciate them initially? Well, they're just a bit throwaway, aren't they? They're not, for me, musically, they're not super 
interesting. Marbles 2 being probably the most obvious one because it, it it's the most close any of those songs get to being or get all those pieces of music get to being an actual song. I see them as interludes. They're so interludes. That's not, all they are. Yeah, it's not like... I, I like them on there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't dislike them, but I, I sort of see them as bits I'd skip, if, <laughs> if anything, They're on so the small. album. They're so Why would you, like, worry about skipping them? They're just, like, this sweet little bits. I just do what I do. Let me just sort of tell you what H says. Again, kudos to Fraser Marshall for pulling a lot of this together on his Meridian Explanations from Song Elements website. He said, I wrote this poem. I had this rhythm like an Irish drinking song. It started out like that, a goofy little poem about going nuts. But at the same time, it was about innocence and harking back to a time when everything was real. When I was a kid and I used to play marbles and how magical they were, and the fact that, to me, they almost represented little spirits frozen in glass, like a way of capturing ghosts, almost, as a kid. Oh, that's cool. I used to think that about marbles. I couldn't work out. Well, yeah, I used to spend ages staring at... Oh, yeah, they have that bit inside. To me, it always looked like an eye. Yeah, but it was was the fact it was, like, 3D, and how did they get that inside the glass? Mm. So as H explained it, we used to play, me and my mate John Liddell, from up the street we would play every day in summer and if you won of course you end up with more marbles than you started with the more marbles you had the greater became your general standing on the estate i ended up with hundreds of them i had this great big bag of marbles i was very proud of the fact that i got so many and that meant you've got plenty to lose as well metaphor Uh, if you lost a few it wasn't such a disaster but then you'd always have the special ones that you wouldn't play with because you couldn't cope with the idea of losing them yeah true because they were the ones that you decided for whatever reason were more beautiful or more precious in some way than others mm. i used to have those inside a bag within a bag so as not to get them mixed up and then one sunny afternoon john and i were sitting in our back garden and we discovered that well we've been playing tennis and we discovered that if you hit the marbles in <laughs> with a tennis racket they do something else entirely they just zing away into the sky like bullets <laughs> It so sounds hard. like something you'd do, Paul. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I did. Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember the kids two gardens over. And we, me and my friend John, another John, funny enough, spent the afternoon chucking hard clumps of mud and and stones from the garden at them, and they were chucking them back, and oh, we'd then duck goodness. into the shed, and you know, we'd hear all this stuff raining down the roof. Then we'd go out and chuck some back. No one got concussion from that, luckily. No, we always managed to avoid getting hit. It was a great day. Um, (laughs) uh, Anyway, so we said they went so high that they vanished and we spent most of the afternoon just walloping these things into the air, not really thinking about where they were coming down. (laughs) That's brilliant. Um, They were coming down all over the housing estate. Oh, no. And they were going through people's glass houses. Oh, uh, of course, oh the marble. God, no! It actually sounds like something I'd have done as a kid. Yeah. Anyway, so he says. So this caused a lot of trouble, and before I knew it, there was a queue of people at the front door waving oh, fists no. angrily and demanding payment for new glazing from my father. And we weren't really very well, terribly well off. So this represented quite a substantial debt that I suddenly plunged my dad into. Oh no! Uh, he said, "On order to punish me, he gave away my marbles." to this other kid who lived up the street that I, who I didn't really like, which was a massive blow. And I was utterly devastated because I didn't really feel like I'd done anything bad. <laughs> I mean, I was naive, but there's a difference between naivety and willful evil doing. But, you know, it was in a bit of a temper because it had cost a lot of money. Anyway, he gave my marbles away and I never forgave him until I was about 40. Um, so it became a standing joke between us. I hadn't forgotten him giving away my marbles. He actually bought me some marbles one Christmas not that long ago to make amends as a little token gesture. And of course, I lost him a couple of years ago. He died a couple of years back. And so I suppose that whole episode took on a slightly more deeper and more poignant sort of beauty when remembered. So it's not surprising that the song came out really at this point. At the time I was writing as well, the Iraq war was going off, which was so wrong. How one country... In fact, one part of the world can decide to drop fire on another country when that country doesn't pose any threat to it. 
just because it decides it should seem terrible to me. And it was like the world had gone completely nuts. So I was beginning to wonder if the world had gone mad or if I had. And so marbles is a metaphor for innocence and for youth and for a time when everything was real. Kids play with computer games now. They don't play with real things. I guess it's just a different kind of magic that they have going on now. That they have the virtual thing they probably project their imagination into. Whereas we just had bits of glass. Hmm. So how about that? Hmm. It's actually yeah. sort of that goes deeper, doesn't it? Than yeah. as a lyric mm. than you might think. I mean, that's what again is what, what his genius is. Mm. Is that it, they seem like these sort of sweet little songs that I always yeah. sort of dismissed as a way to. Um, you're all right. You're crying. <laughs> you <laughs> Sorry, because he mentioned his dad. Oh, <laughs> um, oh well. Um, yeah, how I always sort of went, oh, a bit of a cynical way to sort of t- try and tie some sort of concept together. But actually, when you dig into it, he's really thought about those lyrics mm. and what those marbles mean. Yeah. Uh, and also just, again, his genius, these these multi-layered lyrics that he, he, he writes so brilliantly, mm. where they mean about sort of four different things at once. Yes, yeah. Uh, what it reminded me of, you know, the story about my granddad and my crabs, Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> I had this, uh, well, I went on holiday, everyone, in case you wonder what I'm talking about. I better explain. Yeah, actually, you better explain that um, sentence. <laughs> I went on holiday to Devon and we bought a crabbing kit and there was uh, a sea wall at the back of this holiday camp that we were staying on. And we go down there every day and, and go crabbing, which I remember putting bits of ham on the end of the the line this crab line and you would just I don't know it was like crab central down there you'd catch so many crabs every single time and I crabs kept all... like ham that's not something I would have that's, ever imagined that's how I remember it <laughs> maybe it's I remember putting bits of ham on there and I I kept all my crabs in this cardboard box that I put under our caravan mm. uh, I mean that's with hindsight that's a bit but... cruel but you know, I don't quite know what I was going to do with these 20 or so crabs that I remember. In a box. In a box under the caravan. Anyway, I was... Uh, but I don't think anyone knew. I just bought them back to the caravan, put them under. Oh, I'll keep those crabs for later. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. <laughs> uh, and I was sat in the caravan. Um, I saw my granddad waving to someone. Right. Like, kind of waving out the window. And I looked out and a boy had got my box of crabs and ran off with them. And my granddad just waved him off. And I led it out of the caravan oh, no. and I chased this boy and eventually lost him. He obviously, you know, in this maze of caravans and he obviously went into a... Was he running from you or just... He was run- No, he, he was running. Yeah, him. he knew I was chasing him. I was like, stop! My uh, crabs, my crabs. And he stole all my crabs. This box of crabs. Anyway, I went back. I was livid with my granddad. You gave away my crabs. <laughs> <laughs> my crabs you just let him go and you waved at him I mean why did my granddad this boy was regardless of whether he was taking my crabs or not mm. my, he was obviously doing up to no good under our caravan why did my granddad just wave to him unbelievable never forgive him sounds like you haven't that. forgiven him yet Paul <laughs> anyway if I if I'd written this album it would be called crabs <laughs> and it would be a picture of someone holding up two crabs to their eyes on the cover <laughs> Uh, anyway, so that's Marbles 1 to 4 overall. Fair enough, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, just sweet little bits of music, Yeah, they? they're nice. Uh, I like them. With live, with an amazing guitar solo from Rothers that extends Marbles 2. did remind me of being in year six and realizing like we used to play marbles we had marble season every year mm. but this actually i don't think this is an interesting story well tell it anyway my i'm not sure my box of crabs no stories. your box of crabs was more um fitting anyway it was like just before the summer holidays when i realized that if i teamed up with three friends we could basically take over the school with winning all wow. the marbles and at the end like at the end of it 
when um, school broke up and summer holidays uh, began on the last day of school, I went home with a side bag packed with marbles. Wow. And that was after like, we'd split them between us. We had so many, it was ridiculous. We were like the billionaires of marbles just by team teaming up. That, uh, that's 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 it. That's my marble story. That was the most success I've ever had in business. God forgive, God forbid you ever get more power <laughs> in your life. <laughs> yeah, basically teaming up with other. I mean, bad we weren't guys. cheating or anything. It's just because we teamed up. I mean, obviously we must have been quite good. Mm. We kept winning. Did, I suppose in Australia you didn't have conkers, did you? No, because conkers was the the other big thing in this in the UK, which. Uh, if if those of you around around the world who don't have horse chestnut trees, they're I don't know what are they the seed of the the tree that kind of they come mm. down every sort of autumn. They look like chestnuts. Oh yeah. yeah, when I moved to England and thought they were actually actually chestnuts, and oh, no one's collecting all these chestnuts. What we collected them, went home and cooked them, and they were disgusting. Mm. But you're definitely because they're not chestnuts. In in autumn, you'd go and find the trees and and all on the ground around them were these spiked balls that you'd then peel open or sometimes they'd have fallen open and inside were the conkers and the idea is you'd drill a hole so to speak uh to name a name a song ah. uh through the conkers and attach a string to them or shoelace normally right. it would normally be a shoelace and you would go and challenge other people in the playground by what are you... hitting their conquer with your conquer. You take turns and it's whoever's conquer broke. Oh, that first. sounds that sounds violent. Yeah, it could be or, because like, yeah, like if you it knock could, it. Yeah, be and painful. Then, and then um you know, your conquer would then get known as like let's say you'd you'd destroyed four other conquers, you'll be a fourer. You know, or a, ten, <laughs> a tenner or a twelver. Oh, cool. Uh, so you'd like rank out, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, this is a fifteener. Um, but then there were all these sort of urban legends and myths about things people had done to their conkers. Like, oh, oh like yeah, what? if you bake it or if, uh, you know, you paint varnish over it. Yeah, he cheated. He paint, he's covered in nail varnish. Or, oh, or that makes it. Yeah. Or, oh, you know, no, he had a, it was like made of, made of like clay and he'd, he'd like painted it to look like a conker. And then there'd be like a room of a guy that had like a conker. That Cement was just, conker. A conker that was like the size of an apple. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, these stories and everyone just sort of bought into the myths around the conkers. Wow, a conker the size of an apple. <laughs> so now I think back, yeah. Oh. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's a real tradition in the UK, um, con- conquering, well quite literally, it's uh, as anyone who has been under the, the yoke of the... the British Empire will tell you. Ah. <laughs> it's a good joke, isn't it? Not really. A uh, little bit of politics. Right, Genie. Track. Right. Uh, the bona fide track two on disc one of Marbles. What have you got to say about it, Sanya? What have I got? So, starting with the music first. Oh, shall we? Yeah. Shall we? Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So, Genie. Oh, I mean, okay. Disclaimer. I'm going to pretty much say I love every song um <laughs> and Jeannie's one of them I, I do really love Jeannie it's one of my favorites um it has it's got a really unique start with the echoey voice mm. and the sudden rise of I think it's a guitar um and then there's like the rush of a rush of sound that hits you and it felt like when you wake up from being unconscious or what I imagine it would sound like when you're first born. And I thought that was really interesting because the beginning of Invisible Man, which reminded me of what I thought it would sound like to be inside a womb. So I thought that similarity was interesting. Um, yeah, it's a really, the, the sound of it, the music is very uplifting and upbeat. It's It's a bit like, an easy listening rock song, but with some subtle spacey sounds in the background. And I think, and when I say easy listening, it's not like, oh, it's just easy listening. Like, I I like it. Mm. Um, and I think the slower guitar works well with the energy of it. 
and then I love the change of pace after um, after when H sings maybe her road is a one-way street. Oh, yeah. And then there's like some backing voices as well. I don't know if it's a real choir because last time you said it was a digital choir. Yeah, I'm not sure there is. I, I mean, I'd, I'd when H is singing, there's a rose in your mind at around two minutes. It's possible. I 49. mean, it could be multi-tracked as well. Uh, and, you know, don't forget Pete sometimes did backing vocals. They also did have a backing vocalist on this album. Oh, Angelina, right. don't forget. Yes, so, yes. But, ah, but so I'm it could pretty be... sure the one in Invisible Man is, is keyboards. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, no, just love the sound of it. So, no, I love the yeah. sound of the, uh, the song overall. It, it's for me, it's... Uh, well, firstly, one thing that I'm going to say about this album is it it's one of the best structured albums they've ever done. It it it's why when they played it in full live when we've seen it, mm. you know, it's, it you feel like you've had a proper meal and yeah, that's such a good it, way of describing it. It feels like it's sort of structured as an album perfectly and this coming after effectively Invisible Man is it it's perfect placing, mm. the perfect placing yeah. for it because it's... It's just what you need. It's, at least musically, it's light. Yes. Uh, it's it's like a, a palate cleanser. Yeah, it's, it's they're in pop territory Musically, here. Musically, yeah. that we're in pop territory. But there is what, what sets it apart from the likes of perhaps Beautiful and, oh, I mean, you know, I don't know, Easter or something like that, other, other pop songs that they've done. There is a slight edge to it, a slight sort of rawness to the music that I've always found that, that sort of gives it gives it a bit more weight than uh, some of their other sort of frothier pop songs because obviously lyrically it deals with some sort of bigger themes. Mm. Um, but it, it, it feels like, it doesn't feel like throwaway sort of disposable pop. It feels like it, it, it's got more depth to it musically and it does yeah. there's some really interesting things on but it's the layers like um you know like i said that kind of spacey keyboard i wish yeah. i had a better description for it but like it just seems like a bit spacey yeah um and things like that thrown in in the back not thrown in things like that in the background those those unexpected musical elements. So in a in a song like that, you mm. wouldn't expect to hear keyboard like that. You wouldn't expect to hear something that sounds like a, a xylophone. No, and I think I think it's a really interesting song production wise, in that we know Dave Megan can do a song that sounds sort of very uh well, like Fantastic Place, which is obviously mm. coming up in this album, is a song that is really smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the, the, the with Genie, it feels like it's left raw in places, a bit more edgy. Which, given that it's sort of effectively kind of almost a pop song, mm-hmm. I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that the production here and the music feels like it's sort of uh, I'm, I'm struggling to put it in the words, but it feels like it sort of fits the lyric. In mm. that he hasn't sort of done a kind of pop ballad production job on it when it feels like it could have been that to me. Mm. That's what I've always sort of felt. So you about think it. it was like a conscious artistic choice? Oh, without a doubt. To link it with the lyrics, without a doubt. Mm. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, because he he knew what he was doing on this album, Megan. He, you know, as we as we dealt with when we had our making a marbles episode. It was it was as well. It was an album that he didn't let the band do second takes if uh, if he felt that the first take captured the emotion. And this mm. feels like an example of that that I don't think kind of gets talked about enough. Mm, it's also it's also bloody great live, and uh, it's a shame they yeah. don't play it live more. I'm surprised do they, they don't play it live more. I, no, oh. I don't seem to. Uh, yeah, I wonder why that is. Oh, it's a great know. song. I love it so yeah. much. This recurring dream I was living another life Did you want to talk about what it's about? All right, so this is what I think it's about. Jeannie feels to me like it's about when something is changing in your life 
and the situation is way bigger than you. And so it can start feeling a little bit out of your control. Like maybe a secret desire that you've held for years but haven't dared tell anyone is seems to be coming to fruition. And that's that's scary because because there's like an inherent risk in the unknown. Or like H describes it, maybe her road is a one-way street. Um, so H sings, I've let the genie out of the box and the genie makes your wishes come true. But once the genie is out of the box, there's no going back. You, It's like that. It, you're at a crossroad. So it's like you've gone past the point of no return. And if this is something that you really, really want, then the possibility that you might, it might not work out is even more risky and scary. Uh, yeah, so I love how my interpretation of the song, like I love how well it describes the fear of the unknown. Like when you're coming to a fork in the road and the path to the left is a continuation of the familiar and what you're used to and the path to the right is where the genie is and the genie's opened up this path for you and there's potential treasure down that path. There's like this whole other life from your recurring dream but it's a path of uncharted waters and that can bring up a lot of fears like fears such as H describes being, I'm scared of everything I am. I'm scared of opening the can. I'm scared of losing who I am. So that fear that if you leave the known and the familiar life behind you, that you will lose everything that is still precious to you from that life, that you may even lose yourself, which seems to be a recurring theme with him as well. That's Mm. that kind of losing himself or losing his sense of self. Oh, I guess that kind of fits with Invisible Man a little bit. It's not necessarily always the case when you take the path to the right doubt that the genie's opened up for you. You don't always lose yourself, but it's nevertheless, it's a really valid fear. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one that many of us have felt when the unknown opens up ahead of us. Mm-hmm. So now you can tell me the real meaning. Well, you're not far off it's a bit more specific than that the fear of the unknown it's a song about adultery again right. and being tempted ah. and uh i mean i'll again i'll read you the h quote because it's it's about a very specific incident that happened to him oh okay uh, go on this story has been Apologies to those listening if you know this story because he has recounted this on numerous occasions. But anyway, he says, I met a girl years ago in Berlin who told me in all seriousness that she'd lived with me in her previous life and that I'd been a fisherman on the Normandy coast of France. You weren't expecting that, were you? No, I've got goosebumps. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Wow, that's so cool. Which is a really odd thing for someone to tell you. What's the matter? Oh my goodness. Imagine if he had been a fisherman in a previous life, all the songs about death and water. Like water okay. is such a strong theme in his in his mute well, in his lyrics. Okay, let's we, not go down oh, the woo-woo path for the minute because that's, that's not what that's not what H is saying. Whenever H is no, I know, I've, I've picked up on the wrong yeah, point. You have I? you've completely zeroed in on the wrong thing. But still that is fascinating. H when he has recounted this story in the past comes at it from the point of view that he thinks she was a bit, you know obsessed and not the full ticket right okay so as he said that was an odd thing for someone to tell you but she told me a total seriousness and she was such that it was very hard to write off what she was saying she didn't seem like a crazy person she seemed very matter of fact about it it's not how he told the story on corona diaries but (laughs) anyway basically she told me that there was much more she wanted to tell me but she would need time to do it But, you know, I'm married with children and I didn't really feel like I could start hanging out in Berlin and I couldn't really cope with it, to be honest. Whether she was totally right or whether she was nuts or deluded or something, whatever she was, although I was intensely curious and my natural instinct as an artist was to follow it and find out where it would lead, I chickened out. And so Genie is really about whether or not to take the lid off that jar. Ah. So it... It's, but I think in a more general sense, I think it is more about as well about temptation, mm. you know, because as he says in there, uh, you know, I that what you just quoted, which is I'm scared of everything I am, 
you know, can he trust himself? Mm. I'm scared of opening the can. I'm mm-hmm. scared of losing who I am. Right. You know, and, if, if you give in to the temptation, yeah, you might lose who you are. That, I think, comes back later in songs like it Neverland, you know, I want to mm. be someone who someone want to be. There is this real struggle with him, H. Yeah. That that he's alluded to on sort of songs where he sort of, you know, sings on his solo album, There Is An Animal Inside Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this this theme of adultery and temptation, and but also running away and being tempted to run away mm. is, is way more recurring in Marillion lyrics than Death Than Water. You know, yeah. it's escape. Yes. Running away. Yeah. You know, to somewhere better, something more. Mm. Is is was a is, was a real obsession for age. You know, something that was clearly just going round and round in his head that he had to keep writing about it. Mm. Which is why I think we both found it so touching when he sang in Sierra Leone, I found my diamond and I'm not gonna sell it. Mm. The sentiment was I have everything I've I want. I'm not I'm not seeking to escape anymore. I'm not chasing some bigger dream. I have all the riches I need with me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Given that for a long time it felt he was looking for something else. Or longing to, or escape, longing to escape and longing to have from other what, adventures. Yeah, from what I don't know, don't no, want to speculate. But it, it's not always I mean, okay, escape is one way of putting it, but there's also a longing for adventure where you're not running from something, you're running towards, mm. running towards that unknown life, that adventure, that mm. excitement or the magic. Genie, it's not my favourite song on the album, but then it's an album of high, high highs, but it's a great little song. Yeah, I love it. And I really wish they'd drop it into the live set a bit more often because I think it would fit really nicely alongside, you know, some of their bigger songs. Mm. Moving on to, and I'm going to say it, one of the best Marillion songs. Mm. The Only Unforgivable Thing. Well, yeah, it is. It's quite an epic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we say about it? I mean, okay, so musically... Beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. It's a very, it's a very gentle sounding song. You think it, the mu- musically, yeah. Mm. And I was trying to think. I mean, I was thinking like the guitar in it sounds like it's echoing H's feelings. Mm. But then, it, yeah, I don't know. It's not. I sort of i I see it more as rather than gentle. It's got this sort of almost stately church cathedral oh i didn't get that sense from it but it has got that it's got the organ yeah Yeah, i love the organ that's absolutely amazing it's a song of two parts oh and the electric guitar in it as well is sublime especially especially when it's combined with um with the humming of the keyboards and the the resonant sound of the bass bass the bass bass. oh (laughs) oh one thing i wanted to say about the music i think I think that this is a Petrol Petrol Vav how do you say his name? Petrol Wavis showcase song because the bass is so clear in it. Mm. And something that I've learned from Mark Kelly's book is I mean this must have been obvious to everyone else, but I didn't realise that the producer when they produced an album would make some instruments louder and others mm. quieter. And in a lot of songs I can't hear the bass that clearly. No. So being able, the ones that I can hear it clearly and being able to hear it so clearly in this one, it's just luscious, it's gorgeous. For me, I think it, it, it's a song where they're all equal because I think, you know, Ian's drums, they've got that lovely sort of shuffle and, and, at the yeah, beginning maybe and then, then you've got the keys, you've got that great rather solo. That's true. Yeah, maybe they are equal where usually you can't quite hear the bass as strongly or as clearly in a lot of other songs so yeah maybe instead of saying it's a pete showcase song it's like oh they've actually let him be equally fore. heard as i, I think me is very good with that though because think of yes yes there were other songs uh, on this album as well that, yeah. that you could hear him clearly but then it's a just a beautifully produced album as well on all sorts of levels yeah, sorry, I was just saying as well that it, it's a song of two very distinct halves, but that 
lift when it takes off into that second oh, half. Oh, I know. Oh, I mean, I, that, I've said this before, when they did uh, the whole of Marbles live at Port Zealand, mm. and that bit where it went boom into the second part of the song, and the way H was sort of stood against the video screen at the back and there was oh, a sort of explosion wow. around yeah. him. It was, that's one that was of so my cool. favourite Marillion Live memories ever. It was my favourite Marillion Live memory ever because it was the music mixed with the lighting, mixed with the video. Oh, as a whole. Oh, when, I mean, and when I, I say talk, music, you know, I'm including I was talking vocals. specifically about that moment. Oh, that moment. Not the gig as a oh, whole. I was talking I mean literally that moment. Yes, there's still one of my favourite Listening to this album today made me want to listen to it live again. Yeah, well, as we, were, we were talking again, about please. this earlier, that it, it's Marbles is just basically your greatest hit set. That's what it feels <laughs> like, the whole album. Yeah. And it's because it's so diverse as well. Every song sounds different. Mm. And yet they also all belong together. And so the way it flows is just, it, it's, look, it's their best album. I'm saying it. The more I've been digging into this, the more I'm kind of going, it's just their best album. Yeah. No argument. Yeah. Because it's so diverse, but yet somehow not. Yeah, that's true, actually. Each song is very different from the previous or the next. And yet there's a connecting thread. Yeah, musically, lyrically, emotionally. Mm. Hmm. So, yeah. Oh, actually, you know, I've just seen my notes. You know how you said it had a religious, stately feel or churchy, stately feel? I have written in... Um, the part, the change at around six minutes eight, where the background voices are echoing H's singing, and then the organ is woven in. I I wrote yeah. that it creates a a mystical religious kind of mood and feeling. It does. I mean, the sorry, the bit for me as well. Hide in the corner of the lost and found to live without the ground is so unsound. I mean, aside from the lyrics, wow. Mm. But the way his voice works with the music in that section. And then will no one help the boys who exist only as voices? Oh, even reading that out gives me chills. I don't even know what that line means. I love it. I've always loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Oh, and then I've, oh, and then, oh, I have lost the stars and the sky. So that I could keep the earth. So now I'm found beyond the rocket burst among the burned out fireworks. They are. So poetic. Some of the best lyrics ever written. And the way it's sung, the way the music works in unison with it just jesus christ it's you know and this album you know by this point my jaw was sort of on on the floor you know the first few times i listened to it it's like just like what's happened yeah it's like like i've liked them to another dimension yeah i've liked them a lot in the last few albums or at least sort of you know anorotophobia and but it was like wow they've got their mojo back in a big way big way about meaning i'll try it's a song that i always thought was self-evident and was was obvious what it was about but reading his explanation there is another layer to it but right. you tell me what yeah you think. i mean okay there's like the meaning that i think it might be about and then there's like a more universal meaning um but aside from that i just want to say what a beautifully poetic way of painting such a heavy subject because the way, the quiet way H sings lyrics, like hauls itself out of bed, looks over my shoulder, waits for me in the corner of the room, laughs as I clean my teeth. They they give a real sense of the heaviness and the loneliness that having the weight of this unforgivable thing, mm. whatever it may be, um, always following him around, like the memory of... And the guilt of whatever it is he's done is with him at all times, almost mocking him. And you get a real sense of oppression from it. 
it feels like he's completely trapped because no matter where he is, even when he's alone, he can't get away from it. He says it even waits for me in the kitchen cupboard. It's like you just can't escape. There's there's such a there's such a feeling of sadness and loss. And it it's like he's lost his lightness and his joy and his hope. So when he sings that bit that you mentioned before, I've lost the stars and the sky. For me, that symbolizes hope. Um, it was so that I could keep the earth. So now I'm found beyond the rocket burst among the burnt out fireworks in November. It, it, to me, it says like he snuffed out his life. He's snuffed out his light so that he can stay grounded and keep a foundation under his feet. And yet without his stars and his Without his stars and his sky, he seemed to still be in such an insecure place internally. Then the the last verse I thought was quite telling because it was the constant echoing of I did, I did, you did, you did, that kind of blaming. And then we did. And then we did. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And overall, though, so no matter what the specific meaning of the song is, I think it really demonstrates how H is willing to go to those difficult places within himself. He's able to look within and take responsibility for the consequences of his actions, which is in contrast to some other singers, which might only say at that blame stage that you did, you, you, you. Who, who, are, you not- ta- who are you talking about? <laughs> who, what other singers could you possibly be talking about that, that would do that? Just in general. Just in general. Caught in my throat. A little fish caught in my throat. I mean, a frog caught in my throat. Just in, <laughs> just in general, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I think like that says a lot about his courage. His courage to be vulnerable, but also his his keen self awareness, mm. the courage to go inwards and sort of go. And take responsibility of their act, for his actions. That's what that's what's jaw dropping about it. But it's a sort of almost sister song to "Now She'll Never Know" from Radiation. Oh, if you think about yeah. it, it's similar themes. You know, there it's like shit. What have I done? And yeah. this is like I can't get away from what I've done. I know. But in going back to it, I mean, I'll, I'll read his explanation uh, because this is one of the songs that jumped out to me in 2004 when I was going through a rough time, mm. and I think it can be interpreted two ways Mm. i think this can both be the perpetrator and the victim Mm -hmm. you know it's not i did you did we did yeah yeah i always i always sort of kind of thought oh is this a song from his point of view of having done a bad thing but actually this is equally can be from the point of view of the person that has had the bad thing done to them yeah uh, yeah, that's true. And you know, you cannot escape the only unforgivable thing where, you know, there are no winners in that situation. No. It's everyone has been destroyed by it, by the actions mm. or the the thing. Yeah. You know, he let's... really gets across that that loneliness and sadness. The loneliness of guilt. It's a song about guilt and and damage and hurt. Yes. Hurting yourself and hurting others. There's that. Sorry, it's just jumped out at me. I've just sort of seen. I never really realised what that 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 lyric was before. But the for to live without the ground is so unsound. Gravity would only pull us down. Wow! If there's no ground, you would just keep falling. Mm. And yeah, yeah, and I guess that that links so well with I've, I gave up the stars and the sky for you yeah. to keep my. Well, my yeah, it's a song so about terrible. Um, it's a song about family and the, yeah. and the damage being done into a family by let's face it, infidelity. And that's what this is because, you know, the ritual Sunday lunch times. That's, it, yes. it's very specifically a song from the point of view of, of someone in a family, whether that's the person who has done the damage, to yeah. use a word that will come up again later, or the person who has been damaged. And from either side, they've kind of, they've lost their, the lightness and their hope so that they've kept, to keep that ground under them. Otherwise they just keep falling. Yeah. And be lost completely. Yeah, but he—it's well, he, just phenomenal. It's an amazing lyric, an amazing song, and um, it it also it seems to be something that he he seems to in certain lyrics. I'm trying to think of other examples here. That the whole idea that of of 
giving up a certain lifestyle to settle down sometimes seems to sit difficult with him at that at least that stage in his life there have been other times where it it felt like Mm. i'm trying to think of examples right now but um you know and again you know he might not be writing from his first person perspective you know we we've always got to remember that that he could be telling a story but there certainly seemed to be a yearning for the sense i get of being to be young free and single and you know, chasing the dreams of rock stardom without consequences, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that sometimes it felt like the idea of a settled down family life held him back from that. And I don't know if I detect resentment there, but... I didn't I didn't pick up on that Not in necessarily this in this song. Well, I don't know you say that, but then in this song you've got, you know... The, the the line that we just sort of quoted, you know, I have lost the stars and the sky. It was so that I could keep the earth. For me, I kind of link that. I mean, yeah, maybe it is. A, I kind of link it back to Genie, mm. where it's like, I didn't take that road that the Genie opened Yeah, up. I have lost the stars and sky so that I could um, keep the earth. You know, yeah. And the earth is that stability or so-called stability because he's not stable emotionally. No. No. I mean, I'm not saying that in a about him i'm saying this in this song he's feeling it's it seems that he's feeling insecure emotionally Mm. yeah i was i was feeling like there were parallels between this and genie like this came after genie and the decision not to take the road uncharted Mm. but to stay with the familiar yes but i sense a, a sort of tension within him as to whether that's what he really wants i mean i've definitely felt that tension in other songs 100 percent. i guess i guess yeah i guess inherent in that Mm. i've lost the stars and sky star could also be star stardom as in the longing for fame and Mm. fortune in that sense maybe well let's let me let me let's Go over to H. Yeah, let let the actual writer describe the meaning to us. So he said it's got a couple of meanings. The first one, I'm really not sure. Okay, yeah, this is what he said. He said, I wrote, um, we were in the middle of the Iraq thing while I was writing it. I wrote to Tony Blair and my MP. I did what I could. We put a thing up on the website saying we condemned it and urged the government not to follow George Bush. It's partly about that. I did not see that coming. No. I did not see that coming. And then he says, and it's partly about personal guilt, a photograph of domestic life when it all comes undone. And he also said, um, it's just a song about, yeah, in another interview, it's just a song about carrying guilt, you know, dragging it around with you from the moment you drift into consciousness in the morning, you know, domestic trouble. So I'm not sure whether perhaps in that first interview, he was trying to kind of fudge over the fact that this is a song about, family strife um yeah i mean if it is you can't really blame him i feel he's better at expressing his feelings poetically it's hard to just say it in black and white this is what it's about blah, yeah blah 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 and he shouldn't have to he shouldn't the have lyrics, to yeah, but, you know, yeah the song says it clearly enough i think so I don't. Th- I don't see anything there about the Iraq war sorry <laughs> you know regardless of what he might yeah, have said I, I wasn't expecting that as a potential description (laughs) so um we've talked for sort of longer than i was expecting i thought we were probably going to get side one done yeah same but let's let's call it a shorter one and we'll we'll finish off side one disc one whatever you want to call it next week with fantastic place and ocean cloud but three songs in and a marvels mini song in on this album and it was clear when i first heard it that this was something special that we had taken a huge leap forwards and it was amazing really how all of the whole marbles campaign the artwork the booklet everything sort of seemed to you know you're gone getting to number seven all of it seem to just coalesce at the, at the same time to really make this feel like an event 
Mm. Um, and I don't know how you can replicate that. It just felt like the stars were aligned for Meridian at that mm. time. And certainly creatively they were. Because if this music was just pouring out of them, as they claim, they did, yeah, they didn't set out to write a double album. It just happened mm. that they had so much music. You know, don't forget they originally sort of said that they were going to do an album with a bonus disc. And it ended up becoming a bona fide double album with two discs worth of music, but not just two discs worth of music, two discs worth of some of the best music they've ever done. You're very quiet. Oh, I'm agreeing with you. Okay, good. I'm it's nodding. Good. It's, good. it's good on a podcast to actually agree verbally. <laughs> I just not communicate with hand signals and facial expressions. Sometimes yeah, good to talk. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Good. Um, all right. Well, look, we're going to leave it there then for this week. So it's a slightly shorter episode than normal. but um, Unusual for us. Yeah, I've got to get on though. I've got stuff to do. Busy, busy, got busy. Got a meeting tomorrow and then, you know, got to edit things. Uh, look, if you do want some bonus stuff, though, and you can't get enough of Sanya and I, why not check out our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash MrBiffo. There's all sorts on there. There's bonus episodes, podcasts, our stupid digitizer videos, if you're interested in those. You can support us for as little as one pound a month. One British pound. <laughs> so subscribe to us, tell people about us, all that sort of thing, and we'll see you next week. Yes. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.